Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Wow. Life Hacks. been a great series, hasn't it? Man, I'll tell you, and all the different ways of looking at little tricks to uh, shortcuts to more efficiency. I want to just say thank you for being so faithful in all that you do and how you love God. And as we were out this month on a sabbatical and also ministering up in Nashville at a church that I'm an overseer of now, which is another door that's opened, uh, we are so thankful for all the great teaching that was done here. You know, the amazing thing about the Father's House is that uh, the Father's House is all centered around the lead, the head of the church, and that's Jesus. You won't see uh, my name anywhere out on the marquee or any of that because it really has nothing to do with me in long term because I'll be here and one day I'll be gone. You know, I'm not going to live to be 200, I don't think. Could be. Maybe I'll make a record. Who knows? But it's great that this church, no matter who graces this pulpit, is anointed by God. And that's what's so important here. It's not about me, but it's about the Word. You see, if you're focused on who's teaching the Word, you've you've misscrewed your, your, your understanding because it's all about what does the Word say? What does the Word say? I want to learn from the Word, not from the person, but I want to learn from the Word. And everybody did a really great job. Well, if you have your Bible with you, hold it up and uh, let's make this statement together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the word. I confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you today for your presence. Lord, I mean, there's there's no way we could even uh, explain how powerful it was what you did just a few minutes ago. Now, Lord, as we continue in this series of life hacks, looking at things from the book of Proverbs that helps us to be more efficient and successful in our life, I pray today that you would help me to say what you want me to say. Don't let me to say anything I shouldn't say. And I pray by the end of the day, Lord, that you will be glorified, the saints will be edified, and Lord, that the enemy will be terrified in your name. I'd just like to say thank you for all those of you who are watching with us today. Man, we got people from New Jersey, North Carolina, Bahamas, Indiana, Connecticut, so many places around. We're just so thankful that you joined us today. Father's House, would you welcome those that are watching online with us today? Well, each week in this series, we've been sharing some practical life hacks with you. And uh, then we get to the Proverbs, which gives us spiritual hacks. Uh, Let me tell you about a life hack that I just found out. Um, We have a beautiful stove, but it's one of those glass top stoves that if you just look at it, it gets dirty. You you know what I mean? It's just that way. So I saw this the other day, that if you take dryer sheets, put warm water on them, and you, I put the, I did this this week, and put the four dryer sheets there, and you leave it for 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes, you go back and you take those and you just move those around. And after you get that all in there, then you get a rag and you wipe it off and it becomes super shiny. 
And it's just a great life hack. So, you know, Anita was traveling back from South Florida a while ago watching the first service. And so I said, when she gets home, she's going to look at the stove and say, oh, it's amazing. It's so clean. So she walks in a few minutes ago as she got back about 11 o'clock. And she said, wow, the stove really looks good. And then she said this, but did you really do the life hack? (laughs) Did you really do the life hack? Yes, I did the life hack and it worked. So what we're going to talk about today is the life hacks that have to do with money. Because we all struggle with money in one way or the other. How many of you today would say, I really have more money than what I need right now and I just just like to walk away from it? Okay, well, I guess I'm teaching the right crowd right now. And and there's different levels of where we are. But look, we're going to talk about this. Talk about money. God wants us to be successful in every area of our life. Now, if you're going to go to marriage counseling, you want to go to somebody who has a good marriage, right? If you're going to go lose weight and get fit, you want to go to a good gym and a good trainer that helps you. Even though for the last three months, I haven't been able to go because I have this crazy uh, condition going on in my, in my neck and my back. But thank God for the last four days, I've had no pain pills, nothing except an ibuprofen. And that's after four months of intense crying pain. And I thank God for that healing today. Would you give God a praise? So I dread going back to the gym because I feel like the, bo- the dough boy. But anyway, it will work. So anyway, I'm saying if you're going to get some help with your finances, you'd want to go to somebody that's not deep in debt, right? You'd want to go to somewhere. And that's not just, you know, we go on the internet. Well, what do they say about how I can get ahead financially, how I can get ahead? And you don't know anything about them. You, you don't know about their life. You don't know about that. But I know one thing, that when we come to this truth, we, we can understand. Now, there's a scripture that says in 1 Kings 10, 23 and 24, King Solomon, who of course wrote the Proverbs, we looked at that. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world, look at that. Look, the whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. In context, the whole world was asking him, how did you get so financially blessed? How did you get to the place at where you were? Because he has a naval fleet, and history tells us that those Navy ships brought in $1 billion in gold every year. Now, that's pretty good besides all the other things that were going on in his life. And so Solomon, in the book of Proverbs, gives us some life hacks that's going to help us in the area of our money. Here's what I know. Money talks. And I know what you're saying. Yeah, it usually says, goodbye. See you later, right? Money talks. (laughs) What I'm meaning by that is your money tells your story. Let me see your checkbook. Let me see your balance sheet. Let me see your wallet, where you are, and I'll tell you about your life. I'll tell you about your life. Because you see, your money and what you do with your money talks and it says a story. Now, there's several different money personalities here today. Sometimes there's the hoarder. Maybe you're a hoarder and you say, money gives me security. The more money I get, the more secure I have. So you're a hoarder. And then there are those that are a spender. Money gives me rewards. I can't wait. I've got an extra $5. I've got to go spend it. It gives me rewards. And then there's the avoider. Money and bills stress me out. 
so you don't think about it, you don't worry about it, you get all those bills, they keep coming in, but you never do anything about it, you're just an avoider. And then there's the hater. I haven't met many of these people, a few religious people, and they believe that money is evil and dangerous. That God doesn't want to bless you. He wants you to be poor. You never see that in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. They say, well, after all, Jesus didn't have much. Well, when they crucified him, they gambled for the garment that he was wearing because they didn't get it from goodwill, all right? It was something that was worthwhile. And so what you have to realize is that you don't hate it, but you just have to learn to use it. Then there's the manipulator. The manipulator is somebody who uses their money to buy influence and control. Then there's a show-off. Money gives me status through my possessions. Look at what I drive. Look at where I live. Look at my car. Look at my boat. Look at my golf clubs. Look at my shoes. Look at what I have. And so money to them is just, I can use it to just show off how wealthy that I am. But I think God wants us to be number seven personality, and that would be a giver. Money is how I show God and people that I love them. Your wallet is a reflection of the life that you're living Matthew 6 and 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So show me. Show me where you're spending your money. What are you spending your money for? And I'll show you the treasure of your life. But if there is that ingredient that every week, every time that you're paid, that you give God his first place in your life, it tells me a story of how your life is. How your life is. So today, I want to give you some hacks from the book of Proverbs that has to do with our finances. Proverbs 3, 13 through 15 says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. That's what Proverbs and this whole series of life hacks has been all about. And the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. So in context, it says you can have gold and you can have riches and you can be unsettled and unhappy. But if you'll seek wisdom, if you'll seek wisdom in how that you get money, how you operate in that money, then you can have the money plus the wisdom and you have peace and you have contentment in your life. So here they are. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, don't measure your self-worth by your net worth. Don't measure your self-worth by your net worth. Rich people may think, Proverbs 28 and 1, rich people may think they're wise, but a poor person with discernment can see right through them. Listen, if God blesses you with wealth, it doesn't mean that you're smarter. It doesn't mean that you're better. It doesn't mean that you're more spiritual than someone else. So don't look at that, that, okay, well, I'm wealthy, so I'm, I'm better than everybody else. Look, there's a lot of wealthy people in this world that are not better than anybody else because they spend it all on themselves. You know, money and possessions is like playing a game of Monopoly. You can own all the richest places, but at the end, what do you do? They close up the table, they close up all the places, put them in a box, and guess what? Then someday somebody else opens that box and those same possessions become theirs. So we've got to realize you don't measure, you don't measure your self-worth by your net worth. Proverbs 11 and 28 says, those who trust in riches will be ruined, but a good person will be healthy like a green leaf. In other words, I'm not seeking to be wealthy. He's not saying that. He says, I'm not saying that I want you to be a rich person. He says, I want you to be a good person, a good person. Look at your neighbor and say, be a good person. Look at the other one that you weren't sure about and tell them, be a good person, all right? 
don't take, so if my whole focus is all I can get, all I can make, all I can get, all I can make, you can lose your life, you can lose your relationship with the Lord, you can lose relationship with your family and your kids, all because you trusted in money instead of trusting in God. So the life hack there says, don't judge yourself. Don't judge yourself by how much you have. Number two, avoid investing in get-rich-quick schemes. Boy, you see those on the infomercials all the time. Here it is. Just do this. Now send your money this week. What they're waiting for you is a fool to send the money in so they can be rich. And you keep thinking, if I don't have to, if I don't have to work, if I don't have to, man, just think about it. It's like those commercials for abs of steel. You know, you put that little machine on your, on your stomach and you drink your beer and your donuts and whatever you're eating and think that that machine is going to give you abs of steel. It's not. Because why? You got to work for that. You got to plan for that. You got to do that. It's the same way with God's blessings in our life. There are a lot of people who say, you know, every time the lottery goes, I play the lottery because one of these days I'm going to win the lottery. And when I win the lottery, I'm going to give cars away. I'm going to give houses away. I'm going to give everything away. And what they're doing is saying, I'm looking for a one-time fix that's going to take care of this instead of planning well, working hard, and building my wealth slowly. See, sometimes those of you that are successful businessmen and businesswomen that are here are successful in the area of your finances. A lot of people will come to you and, and they sort of look at you and like, how, how did that happen? How did that happen? And what you'll tell them is, it didn't always be this way, but I planned, I worked hard, I put God first, and that's why that I'm blessed today. Proverbs 28 and 20 and 22 says, the trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get in trouble. Greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. So this week before you play the lottery, <laughs> we're not endorsing that, okay? This week before you sit down to a gambling table and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an instant winner here. Let me just tell you, our little rule of thumb is, if you win, you pay 10% tithe increase. If you lose, it's 20%. <laughs> Number four, avoid cutting ethical corners. Avoid cutting ethical corners. I'm going to basically read some scriptures to you and not really talk a lot about them. Because when I'm talking about cutting ethical corners, it's when it comes to preparing your taxes, instead of being honest with what you made, and all of that, that you cut a few corners and say, well, nobody will know. Nobody, this will, this will work. Or in business deals, you become very unethical and cut corners in those instead of being, giving people who they, what they need. And so in the midst of all of that, listen to this, Proverbs eleven eighteen. The wicked man earns deceitful wages, but he who sows righteousness, moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation shall have a pure, sure reward, permanent and satisfying. Proverbs 20, 23. God hates cheating in the marketplace. Rid scales are an outrage. Proverbs 16 and 8. Better to have a little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. Proverbs 11 and 5. The godly are directed by honesty. Proverbs 21 and 1. A good reputation and respect are worth much more than silver and gold. When I get ready to hire somebody as a mechanic or as something to do at my house, I don't go looking through the yellow pages and see if somebody has a Christian flag, a Christian fish 
that says they're a Christian. I'm going to ask people, who have you used, and are they good, and are they ethical, and do they do it well? I know some people who have fish on their website, and they're crooks, they're charlatans, and they promise you something, and they don't live it up. And I'm going to tell you, if you try to be a businessman or a woman that way, it's going to be short-lived because cutting ethical corners destroys your future. Amen? Number five, learn to turn the light off and leave the room. Learn to turn the light off and leave the room. What are you saying? What are you saying, Terry? I'm saying this. Proverbs 23 and 4 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Now, he's not saying just quit and not make money, but he's saying, listen, the, the world applauds workaholics, but God never applauds workaholics. Because if you're working and working and working and working and you never take a Sabbath in which that you pull away from what you do as a making a living and recharge your batteries, what's going to happen is you're going to, be, you're going to be, take yourself away from your family. Your kids are going to be grown and gone before you ever know it because you have pursued with all of your heart, I will be rich, I will be successful, I will be famous. I'm telling you, there's sometimes you got to do the best you can do and you got to turn the light off and walk out of the room and say, God, it's all in your hands. I've done what you asked me to do. Otherwise, you'll find yourself burning out in this life. True? True. Number six, faithfully. Faithfully. I've just got to stop there. Faithfully. That doesn't mean you start and stop. Faithfully means you're consistent. You continue to do it. Faithfully honor God with your giving. Faithfully honor God with your giving. Proverbs 3 and 10 says, this is a life hack from Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And here's what he says. Honor God by giving him. Oh, I think that translation is wrong. I think that really is supposed to read, honor the Lord by giving him the leftovers after you spend all of your other money and pay your bills. That happens a lot, doesn't it? Oh, we can't afford to tithe. We can't afford to give God. Isn't that amazing? We can't afford to do what Jesus asks us to do, and I'll share the scripture with you in a minute, what he, what he wants us to do. How do we then say, I can't trust him by returning the first portion to him, but I'm trusting him with my eternity? How's that? How can you say, I trust him with my eternity? Well, you, you haven't seen your eternity, but you, you're believing. But then we have a tough time putting him first in our finances. And so here the wisest man who ever lived says, look, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of your income. Then your barns will be full. Your wine barrels will overflow with new wine. Look, I'm not up here today to try to heap guilt on you. I'm not trying to make you feel as the devil's already said to you. Yeah, you're a loser. You're a loser in this. You can do a lot of things, but you're a loser in this. That's not my goal. My goal is I want you to be at peace. I want you to be at the place where you have the blessings of God. I don't want 
want you as a parent or a grandparent spending the rest of your life telling your kids and creating a scarcity mindset in their life. Oh, we can't afford that. We can never go there. We can never do that. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to get yourself over in debt, but you, you got to be careful with the words you use for your kids. Instead of saying, no, we will never be able to do that. You say, you know what? Right now is not a good time for that. Sometime it might be, but not now. Don't raise another generation of people who are afraid of finances and, and have a mindset of scarcity. I don't see anywhere in the Bible that God is a God of scarcity. He's a God of more than enough, abundant, beyond what we could ever imagine and think. Give him a hand clap today because that's who he is. Jesus said, he told the Pharisees this. You know, people say, but Jesus, you know, tithing, returning 10% to God, you know, that's under the law, and we're not under the law anymore. Time out. Tithing, the first mention of tithing in the Bible is 400 years before the giving of the law. That's when Abraham is blessed, and somehow God moves upon his heart to take the 10% of his increase and give that to Melchizedek, who is a... Uh, a picture of Jesus Christ. And so he, here it is in the midst of that. 400 years before tithing even was talked about. But here's what Jesus says to the Pharisees. Be careful. You tithe even to the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe. What does he say? You should tithe. Say it. I know it's hard for you. Let's say it. You should tithe, right? It's you. It's, you know, you're talking to somebody else, not yourself, okay? You should tithe. But don't neglect the more important things. When we come to the New Testament, it's not just the tithe. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. I don't own anything. My house belongs to God. My car belongs to God. My truck belongs to God. It, it all belongs to him. I carry in my, in my wallet most of the time what I call some God money. It's a couple of hundred dollar bills when I get caught up and Anita lets me have it. I, I'll put that in my, in my wallet. I call it God money because it's his money. And so what I find many times, I'll be at a store or I'll be at a gas station or I'll be somewhere else. And, I, and God will make, have me to notice somebody that's really struggling. You know, maybe counting the pennies, a, a single mom counting her pennies try to pay for all the groceries. And the Lord will speak to me and said, okay, get the God money out. Because, you see, it's not mine. It's not so that I can say, well, yeah, I, but I, that $100, I was going to buy, you know, something else there. No, it, it's God's money. See, so if we live like that, that it all belongs to God, then he's responsible for us if we put him first in our life. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So in this life, we've got to say that tithing is really an entry level to obedience. And we go from there. I don't just stick at 10%. What is tithing? Well, it's 10%. It's a mathematical term. So let me just help us so we can always know. I don't know why he did 10. He could have done 10, 12, 20, whatever. But 10 seems to be a number that he uses a lot in the Bible. For instance, let me ask you a question. You answer out loud, all right? Just say it out loud. How many plagues in the Bible happened in Egypt? How many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? 10. 10. Yeah, good. How many commandments are there? Good. How many times did uh, Israel get tested in the wilderness? How many times did Jacob's wages changed? How many times did Daniel have a test? How many days? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? 
How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? And how many disciples were there? Good, you guys are great. Oh, I tell you what, I can't sneak anything over you, can I? Malachi 3, 6 through 12. Yeah, here it is. For I am the Lord, and I do not change New Testament or Old Testament. Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. Would you underline that word or look at that or write that down? You've gone away from my ordinances, and you've not kept them. And here's what he says, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Then the Lord says, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about money. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? I mean, can you imagine? You've, you've, You've robbed God. And he says, you've robbed me in tithe and offering. Now, it's not, God is not saying, You've robbed me because I'm running a little short on my budget this week and I'm not going to be able to pay all of my bills. That's crazy, isn't it? Right. Now, God is saying, when you don't bring the tithe and put me first, you rob me. You rob me of the ability to prove to you that I am a God that you can trust in every area of your life. He's saying you've robbed me in that. You've, you've taken, I'm in, I will be responsible for my finances. I'll be responsible for, look, I don't, I don't want that responsibility. I want to do the best I can, but I want to simply say, Lord, I'm, I'm working by your economy, how you've said it, and Lord, I believe that you will take care of me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he says, well, you rob and tithe and offerings. He said, you're cursed with a curse. You're, you're, you're struggling by yourself and not with me, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. And then he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Storehouse there is the church, the the place where we're fed. And so he said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And the Lord says, try me in this, test me in this, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. Now, God is saying tithe and offerings. Tithe is not something we give. You don't give the tithe. It never says give the tithe. It says return the tithe. Why? Because the first 10% of your increase belongs to God. For Solomon's day, it was when there was, a, uh, when there was a, a, a lamb that was born, a lamb that was born, he would say, take the first one of your herd and sacrifice that to me, give that to me. And if it was a bushel of grain from the field, The first bushel of grain belonged to him. That's the tithe. I return the tithe. I can't spend the tithe. It belongs to God. I've been doing this since I was five years old. When I I would get something, uh, get a blessing or something like that, my parents taught me, said, okay, 10% of that belongs to God. Return it to God and he'll bless you. I got a little older, 10 or so, mowing yards, getting $2 a yard to mow. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Wow, that's a long time ago. And no riding mowers, okay? No riding mowers. And uh, as soon as I'd come to church, I would put my tithe. So, you see, in my life, I've had comfortable life, and there's times that I had nothing. But in the times that I had nothing, I knew I wasn't going to stick there because I knew that if I put God first, and I've been putting him first all of my life, that he was going to bring me out, bring me out. 
So that's what, that's what wisest man here is talking about. He says that you, you, you want to be able to get these things happening in your life. He says, you've gone away from my ordinances. Ordinance means a principle of ordinary behavior. A principle of ordinary behavior. So what he's saying in context of this, tithing and giving an, giving an offering is an ordinary principle for believers. So if I'm not doing that, I'm not walking in the life hack to help with my finances. And it will break the poverty spirit, break the scarcity mindset over you. Because Jesus said, whoever can be trusted in very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever's dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? See, Deuteronomy says the purpose of tithing, there's one purpose of tithing, is to always to teach you to put God first in your life. I hear a lot of people say, oh, I love God. I can, I can put him there, and I, I know what he was. And, and they never return anything back to God. I, I happen to have the ability, and, and I often do, is I, I look at what people give. You say, oh, you mean you know what I give? Yeah, I know what you give. Because I, because when you stop giving, something says that something is wrong in your life, if there's been a pattern of that forever. Now, your giving has nothing to do with what this church is doing and what the church won't do. God will take care of that. But your giving has everything to do with your personality in your life. So I want you to be careful. I want you to be sure that you're living in such a way that you're opening yourself up to God's blessings in your life. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. Jesus said, lay up treasures for yourself in heaven where moths don't eat like they do on the earth. Now, you may be here today and say, well, Terry, I've tried tithing. I've tried giving my offerings above the tithe, and it just doesn't work for me. My, my checking account's not full. I have less than I've ever had. I don't know what we're going to do. We get money, but it just seems to disappear. I mean, that's just the story of our life. Well, let me give you some checkup questions to see. Because it may not be just the principle of your tithing, but the principle is, how are you tithing? How are you giving? So the first question I would ask you this is, ask myself, is my giving motive right? Is my giving motive right? First of all, am I giving? Am I, am I going to return the tithe and give an offering because I want to get money? No. My motive is to worship God. To worship God who pushed down walls and knocked them down to come and find me where I was. And he's simply asking me, bring me a small amount and try this and put me first and see if I won't bless you above everything you can. So my motive has got to be right. My motive is not, oh man, I got to write another check right now. My motive is, Lord, I get to do this. I get to worship you in giving. And you change this and you use it for your glory. Second of all, I ask myself this question, am I measuring my self-worth by my net worth? In other words, am I so focused on financially getting ahead that I don't realize that it's, it's, it's a principle of God? Or have I been investing in too many quick-rich schemes? You got into so many multi-level marketing schemes. Yeah, everybody says, got a new, new way. This is a new one for you. No, get rich quick. No, I'm going to work hard, do what God has asked. Am I cutting ethical corners? Am I guilty of being a workaholic? Am I honoring God by returning the tithe and sowing seeds and offering? And two days ago, the Lord asked me to add something else. So it must be for somebody that's going to be here today or in the other service or watching online. And I need to ask myself this question. 
is sexual immorality directing my life. Proverbs says that we can lose our wealth when we allow it to get sidetracked in the area of immorality. Proverbs 5, 8 through 10 says, Keep to a path far from the adulteress. Don't go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to the one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. The wisest man who ever lived says, be careful that you don't spend all of your time on pornographic websites. Be careful you don't spend all of your time in pursuing sexual immorality. Because the money that you spend in that is money that's going to be taken away simply from you. And here's another verse, Proverbs 29 and 3. A companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. I think as we look at that, it, we look at that squanders his wealth. In context there, it's more than just, it's just more than just about prostitutes. It's, it's more about how am I spending my life. If, is that prostitute that I'm addicted to alcohol? Addicted to drugs. Alcohol and drugs becomes like a prostitute to you. That becomes your escape. That's your way. When you feel down, when you feel that, you got to have another, you got to have another, you got to have another one. And then you wonder, why am I not, why am I not getting ahead in my finances? Why am I not getting it? Why am I not getting those jobs? Why is the doors not open? Because you're squandering it all. You're squandering it all on things that are not of God. Addictions and immoral lifestyles lead to a squandering of wealth. Solomon says, these are some life hacks that will help you in this world. So what I'd like to do now is I'd just like to pray for us today. So if, if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes and just, and just listening to the Lord as he would speak to you today. Father, I just pray today that you would empower your church. Lord, help the Father's house to be a revolutionary church of generosity. Help us, Lord, to use what you've given us. Help us to recognize that we're blessed beyond measure to be a blessing in this world. I'm going to say to you, those of you who are Christ followers today who love Jesus, how many of you would say, I'd love to be more generous than I've ever been generous before? Would you lift your hands? Let me see where you are. Yeah, I think that's one that every believer would want to say, I want to be more generous. I want to help people. So Lord, I pray today for those who lifted their hands. I pray for their faith to increase. Lord, I pray as they put you first and honor your word, Lord, we put you to your test because you said to test you in this. God, you said you'd open up the floodgates of heaven, provide more that we could ever use because you don't give it just for us to wallow in the gravy, but to help others. God, make us a church so radically generous that even non-believers and doubters and skeptics will look and say, well, I don't believe what they say but they sure are generous. They practice what they say. May this world see through our love the generosity of your church. And then I'd also like to say to the person who today will be the first time that you've ever returned the tithe to God. Or maybe today's the day that you start again, fresh, to return it to God. God, I pray today for those that have never stepped out in faith. And I pray today, Lord, that you would... Uh, Give them the faith and the ability to trust you during this time. As you keep praying, I know there's some of you who recognize in your life that you're really not putting God first. And you recognize that your life is all about you and not about him.
Our God wants you to know today that he wants to do something so powerful in your life. I mean, when you think about it, God gave first. God gave his only son, Jesus, really as a tithe. As a tithe, as a down payment for a harvest of your life. I mean, he gave his one and only son. God gave his firstborn. In other words, you could say Jesus was that seed that God gave. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the son of God. He was born of a virgin, so he didn't inherit the sin nature. He lived a perfect life. And on the cross, he became sin for us. He took our sin. He died with it. On the third day, the stone was rolled away and he wasn't there. The tomb was empty. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And if you recognize that you do not have him as your savior, you acknowledge that you sinned and you need a savior. Scripture says, whoever calls upon him could be saved. So this morning, as you're sitting there, you realize you're far away from God, but you need his grace. You need his mercy. You want to make a fresh start today with him by simply saying, Lord, I want you to come into my life. I want to put you first in everything I do. If that's you, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me today and say, that's me. I need to surrender. Thank you. Others today, yes. Others today say, that's me. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Those of you who are watching online the same way, thank you there in the back. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am, over here. Thank you. Today, I want to do that. I want to do that. So let me lead you in a prayer. Pray this with me today. Heavenly Father, I give you my life, asking Jesus to forgive me and to make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you the rest of my life. I put you first in my life. I'm not my own. I give everything to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.